And we talked and it's, hey, so how are you? And this isn't the surface, how are you? This is the, how really are you, you? right? And it goes both ways. So this isn't just a time that you are checking in with your child. It's also a time that your child can check in with you, see how you're doing because vulnerability has to go both ways. You have to be able to be vulnerable so that they learn that it's okay to be vulnerable. Welcome to the Reconnected Marriage Partners Podcast. Hi, we are David and Eben, your host on the show. We know what it's like to feel less connected as a couple while juggling the increasing responsibilities and demands of work, life, and parenthood. We also know what it feels like to achieve a deeper level of connection and intimacy in marriage while raising a family. If you're ready to reconnect on a deeper level, reignite the passion in your marriage, and enjoy a more exciting and satisfying marriage, even if you're raising children with limited time, this podcast was made for you. Be prepared to be empowered and inspired to build the strong and connected marriage you truly desire. All right, let's light up that spark. Come on! Hi, friends, and welcome to another exciting and inspiring time on this show. I hope you're all doing well. Here in Canada, Monday was family day, um, February 19th, and a number of provinces recognize that family day. And I think it's such a wonderful blessing to have such a time to spend with family, even though we're supposed to spend... (laughs) time with family every now and then as much as we can but we do recognize that some persons are so busy and all that and Canada decided you know what and some of the provinces in Canada decided to make this day so I hope you did spend some time with your family and had some good time and so today we'll be going a little bit away from what we usually discuss in honor of family day will be talking about children in a sense. And I, I say a little because it's still about connection, but this time we're talking about connecting with your kids. Before I, I move on, I want to read Mark chapter 10, 13 to 16. And it says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Mark 10, 13 to 16. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them laying his hands on them. So our Lord Jesus actually shows us one way to connect with our kids, and that is by touch. But you know what? I'm not your speaker today. We have a speaker in the house um, who will be talking to us about how to build connection, learn how to communicate with, and provide clarity to your child today. And so let's meet our guest, Nellie Hadden. Nellie is an author, speaker, and family life and leadership coach who focuses on helping parents love and lead their teen twin daughters 
in a way that teaches them to love and lead themselves while building a strong foundation of worth, esteem and confidence in them and with them, all before they leave home. She's a wife, a mom to four teenage daughters, a retired homeschool parent, and an adventure chaser. Her career is in biology and psychology, with years of personal, family, and faith leadership development and a diverse behavioral background from Humback Wales in the South Pacific to teens and parents in homes across the world. She believes in a life of intention, making dreams and goals, rea re goals realities, and knows that the best way to change the world is through one living room at a time. It is such an honor to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Great. Now, one thing I, I do know is that children do not come with a manual. <laughs> In fact, I actually heard this quote, um, I think this week or, uh, or late last week, somebody did say it that children don't come with a manual. And because of that, it's parents tend to, to guess and make errors, you know, trial by errors to raise their kids. And so that's why we're, we're here today to kind of discuss and throw some questions at you. Now, I do know that you have this 6570 family project. Uh, I want you to tell us about it and what led you to start it. Absolutely. And just to touch on and maybe foreshadow some of our talk today. Yes, do not, they do not come with a manual. And I really encourage people to write the manual mm -hmm. on parenting that child. Everyone will be different. Um, I say that as a parent of four and I call them the four corners of a square. They're all very different young women, even though I had four in four years. They're all right there, raised by the same two parents, same homes and everything. Very different young women. But so myself and, uh, you know, a little bit of my own story, I, uh, I, my dad passed away when I was super young and then I was raised with my mom and she got remarried and, uh, had my brother and sister and I left home, um, early. I was 17 when I left home and, uh, I moved about seven hours away to the university I was going to. And in that time, then I really didn't understand it back then. But now looking back, it's so clear that I really didn't have foundations of worth, of esteem, of confidence. And I did not have any centering, any foundation of faith either. And so when young women in particular are released out into the world with a lack of that foundation or a faulty foundation based in worldly things, we start chasing worth anywhere we can find it. Can I find worth in that relationship? Can I find worth in that friendship? Can I find worth in that, you know, academia or in, you know, this behavior I'm doing? And then we start becoming something that we're not. And it can lead down some really dark pathways that then sometimes take, like in my case, decades of time to try and heal from and, and decipher and figure out, well, that was part of my story. And then 
I, you know, fast forward a little bit, I go through my husband and I met, we, we actually met second semester freshman year of college. And then, you know, after college, we get married and we go through some years of infertility, which is a whole other, you know, story. it's a whole other story, whole other, uh, you know, mindset and, and uh, downward spiral there. But then we had four children in four years after that. So the pendulum swung far from one way to far the other way. And in the midst of the tail end of having those four uh, children in four years, my husband got really sick and we almost lost him due to a heart condition. And so there was a lot going on when our girls were small. And all of that to say that we had a lot of really clarifying moments. We had to raise our daughters in an environment that might have been a little bit different than some other people had to because we had to be really open and honest and have some difficult conversations with four and two-year-olds. But in doing that, I realized it can happen. And the wheels were churning and, and making me understand, you know, we're not raising children. We are raising young women. We are raising a future adults here. How can I do that effectively? And how can I get them to the point? Also in the tail end of that is when we started our faith journey and we started going to church and learning about Christ and all of these, uh, you know, wonderful things that had been absent from our life before and understanding where true worth comes from versus the world telling, telling you what you are worth, right? Mm -hmm. And so all in that time, I, I was doing some, doing some math and I was like, hold on a second. We have 6,570 days, give or take, right? That's how many days are in 18 years. And that is our highest impact zone. That is our highest influence zone as a parent for a few reasons. That's the time that you are definitely living with them within the day to day. You're helping them develop along the way. And it's also the time in their brain development where their frontal lobe is forming, tracks are like connections and tracks are being laid that will then support them throughout the rest of their life. So for many, many reasons, the 6570 is this fertile, beautiful ground of parenting and guidance and training and love that we can use in order to help raise our children or raise our future adults. And so that's really, I call parents architects. We are planning, designing, and building the beginning of someone else's life here on earth, right? God was their first architect for sure. We are their first earthly architect. And so if that's the case, it's a very humbling, huge responsibility. As you know, you have three of your own. And so this is our time. This is our fertile soil in order to do that. We will always be their parents, but nothing will be like the 6570 as far as our impact and influence. So that is our biggest project. Nice. It's more or less like, I think, um, catch them young or train them in the way they, they should they should go when they are young. So when they are older, they will not depart from it. And so it's great um, information to our listeners. I know many perhaps already know that, but it's good to at least have that information or that reminder again that, you know, these kids will not be young for <laughs> for for a long time. They'll soon be leaving the, the, the home. I yeah. know. It goes so fast too. Yeah. So 
in one of your Instagram posts, you talked about one-on-one -on -one time with your kids. To be honest, I, I did start doing that, but I think I've dropped the ball because, it's, you know, life just happens, you know, and, but I do know that there, there needs to be a kind of um, intentionality in making it work. But even in, in trying to even be intentional, I've not been able to, to pull through with it. So you have four kids, one more than I do, and you, you advocate for this one-on-one. -on -one. So I know our listeners are probably dying to know, how do you do that? Do you spend one-on-one -on -one with each of them and your husband does that too? How, how does it work in your home? Yeah, logistically, it can get tricky. And we run a very busy schedule here at the house. And so what we do is every Tuesday, I'm sorry, Monday and Thursday evening from like nine to 945 at night, we have one on one time. So for two of my kids, that's on Monday. And one of our kids is even a, um, a college freshman. And so she doesn't even live here when she's living on campus. So we zoom with her or FaceTime with her. So we still keep it though. We make sure we keep that date. And we had discussions about that before she left. We're like, so, you know, we still want to do one-on-one -on -one time. She's like, yes. Was there ever, you know, any question that we would stop, you know? And so, um, but anyway, so uh, I have it with one child and my husband has it with another. And then on Thursday, we do it with the other two kids. And so we have it set our oldest and youngest are on Mondays and our twins are on uh, Thursdays. And so I personally don't have one-on-one -on -one time with each of the four every week. I have one-on-one -on -one time with two of them each week. And then the next week it switches that I have it with the other two. And so for my kids, what they know is that every week mom or dad is going to be in my room with me and we are going to be having one-on-one -on -one time. And this is, it serves so many great purposes because what I find a lot of times is, uh, you know, there's this power differential that kids especially feel, right? Like, oh, mom or dad. And if, if mom or dad say, uh, we need to talk, they're like, oh, the world's falling apart. There's like bomb falling, like, uh, you know, what is happening? I'm in trouble, et cetera. But if you make a weekly, you know, standardized practice of having this one-on-one -on -one time, then it normalizes a conversation that you have with your parent and you're also going into their space, which I highly recommend. You don't, you know, necessarily need them coming into your room. That can happen too, but kids can get really possessive over their space and think that it has these, you know, impenetrable force, you know, uh, force walls around it. And that, you know, no one knows what I do in my room. This is my space. And I claim, you know, super privacy in here. But going into their space, then you are being welcomed not only into their physical space, but it also psychologically invites you into their mental uh, and emotional space as well and spiritual. And so, uh, yeah, going into their space is really important. I say that, but this past Thursday, my kids didn't have school on Friday. So we stayed up later on Thursday watching a show and we said, we'll do it um, uh, later on. So right before I got on this show with you, uh, one of my daughters and I, I said, what do you want to do? You want to, you know, be here? You want to go out somewhere? She goes, let's go for a golf cart ride. So got in the golf cart and we just drove around for a half hour 
And we talked and it's, hey, so how are you? And this isn't the surface, how are you? This is the, how really are you, right? And it goes both ways. So this isn't just a time that you are checking in with your child. It's also a time that your child can check in with you, see how you're doing Because vulnerability has to go both ways. You have to be able to be vulnerable so that they learn that it's okay to be vulnerable. And you're giving them permission to speak into your life, which means your words, your ideas, what you have to say actually matters. It is so multi-layered on why it's so important to do this. But yes, I promise you, you can figure out a time that everyone can get in, but it's important from your child's perspective, that at least once a week they are seeing a parent one-on-one in this in this separate space. Car rides are great, you know, going out for lunch or whatever can be great or what have you, but make sure that you have a time that this is you and I, this is our time right now, so that they know. That's that's great. In in fact, I love the piece about it's not just even about the child, but also about you and the place of vulnerability, because it's important. I've come to learn in my little short life, um, <laughs> even though some persons may say I'm old, but that's their problem. <laughs> um, um, I've, I've come to realize that when you're vulnerable to people, they tend to open up to you because they say okay this person is real this person is you know it's really real and so i can share my heart and share um my time you know when you talked about going into the child's space and having this one-on-one so it's not as though you know i'm in trouble kind of a a thing It, it what comes to my mind is yelling I don't know how many parents are uh, yell-proofed, <laughs> um, <laughs> especially if they've not been really intentional about that yelling piece. I remember somebody telling me that, you know what, you don't need to shout at your child. You you just need to whisper. Mm-hmm. It will get their attention more because especially when they know you are somebody who yells and this day you're just like, Joanna. and so i i want to to hear your your thoughts about yelling and why is it not an effective way of communication because many parents do it they feel it gets the attention of the child and all that stuff but why is it not an effective way of communication because tomorrow we will yell again so that means it's not working Absolutely. So, you know, there's a difference between yelling to grab attention and yelling to retain attention. Okay. So yelling to grab attention, you're, there's a lot of distractions. You're in this place. It's like the whistle, right? Like, Hey, I'm right here. You need to, you know, you need to come to me. But then the yelling to retain attention is always going to be a no-go. So here's the thing about your child's brain. Their frontal lobe, like I mentioned before, is very much under construction, which means they rely on the back of their brain, the more primitive part of their brain for decisions that you don't. So when you might say to your 
12 year old or what have you, I do not understand why you made this decision or why you did this or said this. And the fact is you cannot understand why they did it because you as a parent use a different part of your brain to make decisions than they do. And so when we can understand that and come in with that like biological understanding, then we can come in with more empathetic guidance for them. And when they're relying on the back of their brain, that is the more fight or flight. And if someone comes at you yelling, right, our our then instinct is to turn around and fight back or it is to turn around and run and shut down. And that's what we're seeing with our kids. So we're not really getting anywhere if we are yelling at them like that. And, you know, think about it this way, too. When you or I, we get really frazzled, you know, as adults, there's we live in a very distracted world. There's a lot happening. And our frontal lobe can shut down when we are overstressed. It gets just... uh overworked and it shuts down. And then we're working in our amygdala. And that's when we're like, oh my goodness, I got to do this, right? And we feel all of this stress inside of us and we make snap decisions. Well, that is a glimpse at how our kids are having to work all the time. And so if we feed into that even more, then they're just going to run away or turn around and fight. So oftentimes a saying that I have is drop the rope and pull up a chair. So In this tug of war, this yelling match, this power struggle of, you know, it takes two people. It takes two people to pull on a rope. No one ever played tug of war by themselves, right? And so if you drop the rope, then there's no one left there to be pulling against your child. And you just pull up a chair and you wait and you're calm. And so, you know, in order to have just a conversation or, you know, sometimes courageous conversations with our kids, the first order of business has to be calm. You cannot have a good conversation that is going to yield good results and have clarity and a path forward if calm is not the way that you start. Yeah. Courageous conversations. Yeah, we've we've used that a number <laughs> a number of times. Actually, my workplace also uses courageous conversations to to talk out situations among staff and and all that. And and it's great to to know that I, I believe every parent knows that yelling does not get through to the child always. And and you did mention two two types. And so if we're trying to to get them to actually know what we're talking about, then I, I believe calmness is is needed. You know, my my next question is about daughters. Um, I'm blessed with a daughter. She's my last born. She's four years old. And she's really, really attached to me. Um, they call her daddy's girl. Um <laughs> And and I'm I just I'm just wondering is there and there's the saying that daughters are you know close to their dads and all that is is this true Have you seen it in your home Is is there something about daughters and their fathers You know we've also heard some uh, things like daughters get married to their dads men like their dads <laughs> and all those kind of things So help us. What is this thing about daughters and their fathers? 
Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. So I, I told you earlier, my dad died when I was very young. I was, uh, he was in an accident when I was nine months old and he passed when I was a year and a half after being in ICU all that time. But when, so I, my point is I didn't get to know him obviously very much as, as his daughter. But when I went to marry my husband, I had several people come up to me that knew my dad and say, wow, he is so much like your dad. And I'm like, really? Like I, I would have no idea. So it's, it's inherent. It's, you know, there's this biological piece to it as well. So I really appreciate this question and having four daughters, this is a, an interesting and a kind of a fun one to explore. And out of my four daughters, I would say two definitely lean this way and two are right on the fence, like super even. But then two of them are more, you know, uh, lean in dad's court, I guess. And so there's a few there's a few things about this that I want to kind of dive into. So first of all, biologically. okay. so we talked a little bit about you know, just that um, inherent familiarity biologically that frankly, we cannot explain, right? That just, it it happens. But um, biologically, especially in raising adolescent young women, there's a lot of hormones. There's so many hormones in our house, I can tell you, right? And so, you know, when you get a young woman who is, you know, a little bit older than your daughter, but talking pretty much like seven, eight and above their hormones start to cycle and go through. Well, that's also in, you know, clashing sometimes with mom's hormone cycles, clashing and going through some moms are in, you know, premenopause and going through, and that can cause some tension and some friction between the women of the house sometimes. And then there's dad who's like, I don't understand anything that you guys have going on. And so I'm just Switzerland over here, super neutral. And so, you know, the, the daughters who have their own hormone cycles going on are like, mom's crazy. It's certainly not me, right? Mom's crazy. And I'm going to go to dad, right? So there's that biological, you know, piece that's happening there just with hormone levels. And there's also logistically, you know, moms are typically the ones, not always, but typically the ones that spend more in like time, like I'm talking minutes with their children. And so if that's the case, then we have as moms more opportunity for friction with our kids, right? And then there's dad who's busy working, providing for the family and doing other things uh, that um, doesn't have that, those actual minutes all in. And so there's less opportunity for that friction. So then mom is, you know, saying, I can't do this, or I have to do this, or I have to do it this way. But dad didn't say anything. So I feel closer with dad, because then, you know, dad's not telling me what to do as much as mom is telling me what to do. So there's that piece as well. I mean, there was a day last week that uh, many days of the last few weeks that I have to, you know, do school pickup and my kids go to multiple schools. So I have to do multiple school pickups and then take them to the dentist and then go to drum practice, leave some kids at the dentist while I drop off at drum practice and then go and then do music, you know, and we're running all around. And I know for me, I was 
dog tired by the end of that, which also means you have a shorter, you know, uh, a shorter rope as far Mm -hmm. as your patience. And so, but then we get home and dad's been home all day. He works from home. I work from home too. And he's been home and they're like, oh, dad, mom is crazy. You know, she's just, you know, she's, you know, said this or did this or told me I had to do this, but you're safe because you haven't told me anything I have to do today. So that's a big reason too. And so just like pats on the back for all the moms out there doing all the hustle um, and love you all dads out there as well. Um, well thank you. <laughs> you're hustling just in a different way. And I, I appreciate that and see that as well. Um, and then there's also just, you know, talking spiritually as the man of the household, the leader, right? And so there's this affinity toward, you know, being that uh, that leader position in the house too for these young women. And so there's that piece. There's this authority, comforting authority piece as well. And so for many reasons, also, you know, as a woman, you see the young women in your house and you know what games they're trying to play and what they're trying to pull. Dad might not know, but as a mom, you're like, I know this game because I played this game and you're not going to, you know, pull the wool over my eyes for this one. I know this, you know, and so they don't get away with as much either with, uh, with mom. So for many reasons, it's really interesting to dive into the biology, the psychology, and the the spirituality of it. Nice. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to look at it from those three points. Uh, I, I, would, I would agree with you. Um, I just thought because dads are, dads are awesome, that's why, um, <laughs> you know, the, the daughters lean towards them. But I will leave that for another time. <laughs> Well, this will probably be my last question. And talking about clarity, Mm. you know, we've talked about communicating, having that one-on-one. We've talked about the yelling piece that is not the best approach to a child. In a world where we see that there are lots of options, there are so many things pulling, like we were talking before the recording, you know, of all the programs that are out there that children need to participate and the soccer, the volleyball, the, the um, hockey, just name them, the swimming lessons, the piano lessons, the guitar lessons and all the rest. Then we also have social media too. And we have all these things bombarding our kids much more than what we had during our own time. And we're just wondering, especially with the digital world, which is now the child's playground. Right. How, how do we ensure that we choose right and not miss the way when it comes to clarity for them? Well, this is, you know, one of the reasons why that one-on-one time is so imperative. And, you know, I said earlier that every child is different. So it's about getting to know your child and what's important to them and guiding them in that way so they can create a safe perimeter around them. And you do that with core values. And so one of the things that we do in our home and I teach uh, in my in my courses too is to set up this perimeter and each person in your home will have a different perimeter 
It's just three things, four at the absolute most, but really just three. Our brains work really well with three. Um, <laughs> yes. And so for me, it is faith, integrity, and wisdom. So that is the fence that is around me. And, you know, just to give an example, because I'll throw myself under the bus here. So faith, integrity, and wisdom is my fence around me. So I know when I'm going out into the world or, you know, uh, out into the world of social media, if something doesn't pass through one or more of those barriers, then it just goes on. It is not worth my time. I am saying no to that and turning my back on that because this is what my protection is. Now, we've done this exercise because these change. For adults, they're more stable. For kids, I try to reestablish what their values are about three times a year especially beginning of summer, beginning of school year, beginning of calendar year. So three times a year, we go through this. What are your values? Have any of them changed? And there's great lists out there of core values you can find. And what I recommend is that you go through and just kind of circle or highlight all of them that are important to you. And we've done this with the kids for years. So even when they were much younger, now my kid, my daughters are 14, 16, 16, and 18 right now. But we've done this for years, and so they circle them, anything that's important to them. But then you can find that it whittles down, right? So family is obviously very important to me, but family for me really fits under the umbrella of integrity and faith for my, for myself. And so having those two, I am already, you know, following with family. But this is my fence. So, you know, if you're lit, if you are out in the middle of the desert at night, uh, you know, over in Africa or somewhere and, you know, you don't want to just lie down because you're going to be eaten, right? You're going to be very vulnerable and you're going to have something, uh, you know, snack on you or uh, hurt you or what have you. But if you have a fence around you, you're protected. And that's what this values fence can do for you. And it's all part of what I call the Holt cycle. Um, and it's aligning, uh, and live thoughts that you can have. So you're really designing a system of thought, a system of action and decision for that specific child. And there's other pieces to it as well, but that one piece, um, is the inner accountability piece and that is your value fence. And so that is one just way that you can, anyone listening right now can easily go online, write down some values and come up with your value fence today and start using it immediately. Values. And, and so for, for us, we, we have a family value. Mm-hmm. which we run with and and I think at least that is the fence around us but I I love the aspect of actually even finding out from the kids because they are going to be unique what actually they consider their values and so that's that's good thanks for sharing just as we round up you talked of um some of the teachings you do and you talked of this value system if you start what the core values having core values for the kids what resources because i know you're a very busy person and you're a coach and and i know you do have some resources that our listeners can you know hang on to or connect with you so that they can be better parents and see how they can even those who are lacking that connection can build connection with their kids. So what resources do you have that our listeners can reach out? 
school. Absolutely. Yes. There are tons of resources on my website, nellieharden.com. And, you know, I work with two kinds of parents. There's the proactive that are my daughter's four and I want to, you know, get ahead of this and I want to make sure that we're set up for success. And I, I also work with many reactive, which is, okay, we're in a situation right now and I don't really know how to approach it. I don't know how to help her. This kind of hit me out of left field. And, you know, maybe they're nine or maybe they're 17 at this point. You know, there's even some flex period after the 6570 all the way up to what I call the 9125, all about numbers, right? But that's the 25th birthday. And that's when that brain is, you know, fully settled. And I have resources for all of that on my website. There's downloads, there's videos, there's masterclasses. Um, there is even uh, a wonderful scripture journal that is 40 scriptures that I recommend everyone that is raising a, a daughter, their scriptures and conversation platforms. And all of that can be found on the website. Great, 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 great. I, I, I think, you know, just permits me to ask one more question, which is this F-bomb <laughs> that's, you know, children use these days. Can you just share with? If I, I, I laughed, I laughed when I saw when I saw it. Can you just share um, with us about this f bomb? Yes, the f bomb, right? Yeah, and it's so true. Uh, it's it's fine, right? Oh, it's all fine. Everything's fine, right? How is school? Fine. How is, how is your test? Fine. And fine goes nowhere. Fine could mean absolutely great. And fine could mean I actually got a 21% and completely failed, right? And it really is just a push it, push the can down the road answer because I don't really want to talk about it right now. And if that's the case, it can be, it can be okay. And you can just say, all right, well, later on when you're not so tired, I really want to hear about your day. Or you can dive under a little bit and say, you know what? Can you tell me, you know, I pick up my kids every day from school, from two schools, as I mentioned. And, you know, they get in the car. Hey, how was your day? Oh, it was fine. Oh, it was okay. Oh, really? Who did you have lunch with today? What did you do in chemistry today, right? So ask specific questions that guarantee a, an answer more than fine. I mean, if you say, what did you do in chemistry today? The answer can't be fine, be fine. right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and so ask things. Tell me two things that made you laugh today, right? So not too much, but just something to generate good conversation and get a peek into their day and avoid the F-bomb. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, um, Nelly. It's been an honor having you. I believe that our listeners have taken a number of tips that will help them connect with their children and also give clarity. Is there any last words before we um, go today? Um, I would just love to tell every listener out there that you're doing a great job, right? You're doing a great job. Parenting is hard, hard work and just hugs and high fives to you. And today we are living in a more distracted world than we have ever lived in before. And so getting resources and not just resources that say, 
we want, you know, you want to build worth, esteem and confidence in your child, but actually resources that teach you how to do that in such a distracted world today is really essential in order to raise young people that are equipped for the world that they're going into. And so just hugs and high fives to everybody. It is never too late and it's also never too early. Thank you so, so much. Um, please note that um, Nelly's website will also be put on our show notes, so you can always go in there to um, see the resources which she has for us. Thank you. So our listeners, I just want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that you would follow the advice that was given today that will build that relationship and that connection with your child. So till next time on the show, I just want to say God bless you and stay connected. Shalom. If you like that among show, please don't forget to leave a review to spread the love. Hi, friend. If you've been inspired or found value in this episode, one of the best ways to thank us is to leave a written review on Apple Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share this episode with friends and family. And together, we can build stronger marriages, families, and communities. Stay connected. Shalom.